Will you stand? Turn with me, uh, if you will, to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm just going to read this scripture. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need like some letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, recognized and read by everyone. It is clear that you are Christ's letter, produced by us, not written with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. Not on stone tablets, but on tablets that are hearts of flesh. We have this kind of confidence toward God through Christ. It is not that we are competent in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our competence is from God. He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit produces life. Now, if the ministry of death, chiseled in letters on stones, came with glory, so that the Israelites were not able to look directly at Moses' face because of the glory of his face, a fading glory, how will the ministry of the Spirit not be more glorious? For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, the ministry of righteousness overflows with even more glory. In fact, what has been glorious is not glorious now by comparison because of the glory that surpasses it. For if what was fading away was glorious, what endures will be even more glorious. Therefore, having such a hope, we use great boldness. We are not like Moses who used a veil to put over his face so that the Israelites could not stare at the end of what was fading away. But their minds were closed. For to this day, at the reading of the Old Covenant, the same veil remains. It is not lifted because it is set aside only in Christ. Even to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. We all, with unveiled faces, are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord, who is the Spirit. You can be seated. When I was growing up, my sister had a puppet. It was a dog. It had a wrinkly face, kind of like a Sharpay. Uh, And she would put her hand in that puppet, and that puppet would come to life. I mean, it had a personality. She would speak with that puppet, and she would laugh with that puppet, and she would act disappointed with that puppet. I mean, it was amazing. The puppet seemed to actually be alive. She was very good at it. But when she took her hand out of the puppet, it was just a puppet. It was just thread. It was just fabric. It had no life of its own. Only when she put her hand into the puppet did the puppet have life. You and I are similar to that puppet. Without Christ, without the Spirit of God living within us, we cannot fulfill the purpose that God has created us to fulfill. We need the Holy Spirit. Uh, We need God to live through us to live the righteous life that God desires for us. Uh, We need God to empower us 
to have the boldness that we need to, to share Christ, like we were talking about earlier, to, to do the things that God has called us to do. Uh, we need the Holy Spirit within us because He is the one who supplies the peace and the joy that God brings. And so uh, Paul is writing to, to the Corinthians here and is dealing with a problem of false teachers in the church and they were emphasizing the following of the old Mosaic law, the old Mosaic covenant that Moses had brought uh, to the Israelites when they were in the wilderness. Uh, if you think about the Ten Commandments, that was kind of the big, the big ten that um, Moses emphasized. And, and the rest of the law explained uh, those Ten Commandments as well as to love the Lord your God with all your heart, to love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, but there was a problem with that law. No one ever fulfilled it. And so the words that were meant to help them have the life that God desired them to have ended up bringing nothing but condemnation. Uh, those words, those laws, because, let's face it, you and I don't love our neighbor as ourselves all the time. We don't love God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength all the time. Uh, we don't keep the Ten Commandments all the time. And so Paul said, look, these false teachers are trying to get you to go back to that, but you need to understand that is not sufficient. The Mosaic Covenant was a preparation for the New Covenant. It was a preparation for the time when Jesus Christ would come and he would offer himself at Calvary and uh, he would die for our sin to take our penalty, uh, to take the wrath of God upon himself. And then he would raise up from the dead three days later. Uh, and through Jesus and what he did, um, you could have salvation. But not only that, but Jesus ascended to the right hand of the Father. What did he do? At Pentecost, he poured out the Holy Spirit. And, and the church and, and the, the disciples that were uh, faltering and failing and so many times uh, were filled with the Spirit of God and they turned the world upside down. <laughs> so great was the transformation. And so Paul says, look, you don't look to that letter that kills, but you look to the Spirit. That brings life. Because the Spirit was the fulfillment of the new covenant. We read just a moment ago as we were doing the Lord's Supper. We read about Jesus saying, this is the new covenant in my blood. Jesus initiated the covenant through his death on the cross. But he uh, fulfilled it as he sent the Spirit to come and fulfill the prophecies of the Old Testament. So Paul is saying, listen, don't listen to these false teachers. What you need is not a greater dose of the Mosaic Law. There's nothing wrong with the Mosaic Law. It's good, but it's not enough. You need the Holy Spirit. You need the Spirit of God living within you and living through you so that you can fulfill what God has for you to fulfill. Uh, each and every one of us as God's children needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit on an ongoing basis. And the title of my message is The Blessings the Spirit Brings. The Blessings the Spirit Brings. What are these blessings? Well, first of all, the Spirit brings change. Change. Look at verse 3. 
uh, they had been saying, these false teachers, well, we have these letters of recommendation. Paul says, I don't need a letter of recommendation. You are my letter of recommendation. God has done a great work in your heart. He's changed you. But let's look at this verse. He says, it is clear. You are Christ's letter produced by us, not written with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. Not on stone tablets, but on tablets that are hearts of flesh. What is he saying here? He's saying when Jesus Christ saved your soul and the Spirit of God came to dwell within you, you began to show the character of Christ through your life so that you became a letter, a message, so to speak, of who Christ is. That is, Jesus could be seen in your life. You became a living letter. There was a change that took place in you. Uh, I remember when I first came to Christ, and I was kind of, before, before that, I had been kind of living a double life. You know how that is? Uh, I was acting one way uh, when I was away from church, and I was acting another way at church. And, you know, I used profanity when I was away from church, but when I was at church, I didn't. You know, so I kind of I was living two different ways. But when Jesus changed my heart, I went to school the next day, and uh, there were things that were different about me. And, and I remember after about three days, finally one of my friends came up to me and says, Roger, what's the matter with you? I haven't heard you cuss in three days. That, there was something different. Jesus Christ had changed me by sending his Holy Spirit to live within my heart. Now, that's not, not to say that I'm perfect. I'm far from it. There's no child of God who is perfect. But it is to say that because the Spirit of God comes to live within a believer, there's something different. A change is brought about. Now, uh, the Scripture says that not only does that change come about at conversion, but it comes about as a process in your life. That is, the Holy Spirit begins a work. It's called sanctification. What it means is you're just becoming more and more like Jesus. It's, a, it's spiritual growth in your life. So there's an immediate change when Christ saves you, but there's also a continuing change in your life that the Holy Spirit brings about as you cooperate with Him. And so uh, as, as believers, we need to keep our sins confessed before God. Uh, we need to ask God to fill us with His Holy Spirit. We need to be filled with the Spirit so, so that we can continue to grow and be what God wants us to be. So there was a change that took place as a result of the Holy Spirit's presence in their life. So we need to be filled with the Spirit so God can work that change within us. Secondly, not only does the Spirit bring change, but also competence. Competence. Uh, verse 5, the second part of verse 5 says, But our competence is from God. Well, let's go ahead and read that whole verse. It is not that we are competent in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. Paul is saying, I do not have God's work and God's blessing through my life because of my own personal ability. Okay? That's something we all need to understand. You don't serve God and you don't succeed at serving God because you're good at it. You succeed at serving God because God works through your life. 
Paul's son, and this is the Apostle Paul. If anybody could brag about being good at ministry, surely he could. But he says, it's not in ourselves. But he says, our competence is from God. He has made us competent to be ministers of a new covenant. You know what? Another way you could translate that word competence is the word sufficient. God has made us sufficient to do what we need to do for him. Have you ever felt insufficient? Have you ever felt inadequate to serve God? I sure have. Uh, have you ever felt like, well, God could never use me. I don't have the gifts. I don't have the abilities. Can I tell you something? God can use anybody. When the Spirit of God comes to dwell within you, and when you allow the Spirit of God to live through you, He becomes sufficient through you. He becomes your competence. You know what I've discovered? I've learned a lot of different methods of sharing Christ with people. You know, those methods, when I am in my own strength, never succeed. Including what I'm going to teach you next year. Okay? I'll just go ahead and say that. Methods in and of themselves don't work. What works? The Spirit of God through you. Okay? Methods aren't wrong, but they're just not enough. You have to have the Spirit of God living through your life. And what happens is the Spirit of God brings a new sufficiency to your life. No matter what the situation is, He has perfect knowledge of the situation. Uh, I remember I worked with a, with a man when I was uh, in the military, and he had... He had perfect knowledge about, about technical information. He could tell you the page, the paragraph, what it said, and whether or not it was right or wrong. What would happen if you did it? Or what would happen if you didn't do it? He was, it was the most amazing thing I'd ever seen. Uh, but God has that kind of knowledge and even greater knowledge about everything. You ever thought, thought about that? You and I, a lot of times, we're just not sufficient. We don't know what to do a lot of the time. Uh, we may think we do. And have, you ever, have you ever thought you knew how to handle a situation? And you go in and you try to handle it, and it just blows up, right? And you thought, boy, I thought I understood it, but I just had no clue. God has perfect knowledge about everything. <laughs> he also has perfect power uh, to help you accomplish the different things in your life. So... Um, one of the blessings the Spirit brings is competence in your life as you serve Christ. Now, that can apply to your job uh, in, in the work that you do. I, I used to pray when I was a mechanic. I remember uh, I, would, I would work in the morning. Sometimes I'd, I'd get something. I just couldn't figure it out. I'd go home and I'd say, Lord, <clears throat> would you help me figure this out? <laughs> I'm stuck. And... Uh, it was amazing. God, a lot of times God would answer that prayer so quickly when I would come back and uh, everything just fall into place. Don't disregard God in the daily details of your life. He is able to help you. Uh, I like what, what the um, King James says in Romans 8. He quickens us. What is that word? It's kind of like a steroids. Y'all, uh, I, I had a uh, sinus infection uh, 
few weeks back, and, and I was on my second round of antibiotics. Have you ever had that experience? That's just miserable, isn't it? He gave me some steroids, and he said, you take these steroids, and as you take these steroids, it will help you heal up quicker, uh, and maybe we'll take care of the problem. Sure enough, it worked. Now, some athletes take steroids, don't they, so they can perform better out on the field, and sometimes illegally, but they do. Uh, the Holy Spirit is kind of like, in some ways, like steroids for your life. He, he strengthens you. He quickens you. He empowers you. Some of you may be struggling with a sin. How do you overcome that sin? You overcome it through the power of the Holy Spirit, through His quickening, strengthening power, His living through you. Okay? So we're not bound to live after that old nature, after that sinful nature that we have. We have the Holy Spirit within, and He quickens us so that we can have victory. So the Holy Spirit does that. He, he brings change. He brings competence. And then thirdly, I want you to see, He brings life. He brings life. Look at verse 6. For the letter kills, the second part of verse 6. The letter kills, but the Spirit produces life. What's he talking about there? Well, by the letter, he means the Old Testament law. Okay? How did the Old Testament law kill? Okay? If you've ever told a lie, you've broken the law. Right? Um, so the law would condemn you. Uh, James says it this way, any who is guilty of sinning at any point uh, uh, is guilty of all of the law. God, God considers you guilty before him, and because God cannot tolerate uh, sin and he hates sin, uh, you cannot go to heaven. Uh, your sin ends up condemning you to hell. No matter what your sin, you say, well, well, well telling a lie is not that big of a deal. Well, neither was taking a bite of the fruit in the garden. But what happened? They were cast out. So, uh, the letter kills. And what he's saying by that is, if all we had was the outward law to guide us, we'd be in trouble because none of us keep it. The letter kills, but the Spirit brings life. How? Well, first of all, he makes us a new creation in Christ. Any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. He, he, uh, we are born again, as Jesus told Nicodemus. Uh, there's a new life, a new nature within us through the coming of the Holy Spirit and the bringing of new life within us. Uh, also, he brings us life by living through us and empowering us. How does that happen? Well, when Moses was writing to the Israelites, he was telling them, he said, listen, these words are not idle words for you. They are your life. If, if they had somehow been able to keep the law, their life would have been rich and full. They just did, didn't fulfill it. So when the Holy Spirit came and the new covenant came, the Holy Spirit comes to live within our hearts. He empowers us to do the things that please God, to live the life that God desires. And when we do, something really amazing happens. We begin to experience the abundant life. 
the Spirit brings life. I hear people all the time say, well, you know, uh, if, if I become a Christian, if I, if I don't, I'll have to give up these things, and, and, and they don't want to do it. And what they don't understand is when you become a Christian and you sell out to God and you let the Holy Spirit of God live through your life, what happens is you begin to experience life that is full and meaningful. The Holy Spirit brings life. He brings salvation. Did you know you don't have to save yourself? <laughs> you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and he changes you from the inside out. You don't have to have the power to live the Christian life. When you become a Christian, God gives you the Holy Spirit to live within you so that he can live through you to fulfill that life. So, when a person trusts in Christ, they're given the equipment they need to live that life. And God, as they cooperate with the Holy Spirit in their life, God brings rich, meaningful life. Paul said it this way, there is a peace that passes understanding. Peter said it this way, there's a joy unspeakable and full of glory. How does this come about? It comes about as the Spirit of God lives through us the life that God intended, and we receive His joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, so forth. The Spirit of God brings that change. He brings that life within us. Eternal life, abundant life. So, uh, the blessings that He brings are change, competence, life, fourthly, freedom. Look at verse 15. Even to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. He's speaking about the Jewish people. Um, Isaiah talked about the Jewish people resisting God, resisting God, resisting God. Their hardness came. A, a veil was placed apart. There's still a remnant who are saved even today. But there's a, a special kind of blindness over the Jewish people until uh, the time of Christ's return. Uh, but... He's saying here, uh, a veil lies over their hearts in verse 16, but whenever a person turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Now, that's true of the Jewish people, but it's also true to some extent to lost Gentile people because the Bible says that the God of this age has blinded the hearts and minds of them uh, that are lost lest they believe. There's a blinding work of the enemy. Did you know the enemy's chief work, one of his chief work, is to deceive people? Did you know one of the things that happens in so many people's lives is they believe the lies of this world, the lies of the enemy, and they're blinded to the truth. But something happens when a person decides to give their heart to Christ. The veil is taken away. There's freedom from the lies of the enemy they can see and the word of god that was dry to them before uh becomes rich becomes uh something that blesses their heart why because the holy spirit's giving them understanding there's a freedom to understand there's a freedom to know god uh where the spirit of the lord is there's freedom god comes to our life and he, get, he gives freedom from sin. We've talked about that. But he also gives us freedom to understand God's truth. You say, so what? 
Why is that important to know? I'll tell you why. Because Jesus said this. He said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. You want to know how to have freedom in life? Freedom is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ, living in the fullness of his Holy Spirit. Our nation has forgotten that. Freedom comes through Jesus. So, we need to be filled with the Spirit of God so that we can understand the things of God. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God so that we can have that competence, that life, that change. So, God brings change through His Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit brings competence, life, freedom. Finally, He brings glory. Look at verse 18. We all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord. Another way you could translate that is we are reflecting the glory of the Lord. And are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, uh, he's been talking about Moses. Now, you remember the story. Moses goes up on Mount Sinai. He receives the Ten Commandments. He receives all of the law of God for the people of Israel. And he comes back down, and he's been in the presence of God. And because he's been in the presence of God, there's this glory radiating from his face. Can I tell you, it was scary to the people. They said, you know, we can't take this. And so Moses veils himself and covers it. You could kind of still see the glory coming out a little bit, but he veils himself. And the glory eventually would fade away, and Moses would look normal. What he's saying here is that the Old Testament law, it was preparation for the New Covenant. It was preparation for this time in our lives. Uh, If that kind of glory came with the Old Covenant, how much more will glory come with the New Covenant? What happens when the Spirit of God comes within a heart of of a person who trusts Christ and begins to live through their life, the the glory of God is revealed through their lives, through what they say, through what they do, through their countenance. We had a lady named Debbie, church where I grew up, and uh, she used to sing, and she'd been been saved and, and just was so full of God's joy, and she'd sing, and you could just see the presence of God on her face as she sang. Why? Because... She was just full of Jesus. Uh, she was overflowing with the Lord. Um, we are his vessels. And when he lives through us, the glory of God is seen through our lives. I want to tell you something. The world says, hey, uh, up until the time when Jesus came, they'd seen God's glory kind of from a distance. When Jesus says, John says, we saw his glory As the only begotten of God, the only begotten from the Father, we beheld his glory, full of grace and truth. They looked at Jesus and they saw the glory of God. You know what he's saying here? He's saying because the Holy Spirit has come into our hearts and lives through our lives as we cooperate with him, this world can see the glory of God through you and through me. The temple was a place for God's glory, right? Now we are the temple of God. Know you not that you are the temple of God. The Spirit of God lives in you. How are they going to see the glory of God except through us? How are they going to hear the message of truth except through us? The Spirit has come 
so that the very glory of God can show through our lives. Now, it's not the same as seeing God's glory in heaven. But it is the glory of God nonetheless. We need to be filled with the Spirit of God so that God's glory can be shown to others. That can make a difference. The blessings the Spirit brings are change, competence, life, freedom, and glory. As the Spirit lives through us, we can begin to live the life that God intended. So, how do you become filled with the Spirit of God? Well, first of all, uh, you've got to be a Christian. If you don't know Jesus, if there's never been a time in your life that you made a decision to turn from your sin and put your trust in Jesus to receive that free gift of salvation, to receive Jesus into your life, just as we receive this bread and this drink, it's a picture of receiving Christ into your life. But the bread and, and drink without Christ don't do you any good. It's Him. It's His person within you that brings about the change. You need to receive Christ today. You can do that. You can receive His forgiveness. All your sin will be washed away, will be wiped out. Why? Because Jesus paid for it at Calvary. And He will credit His very goodness and righteousness to you so that you can have a home in heaven when you die. But you must make that decision. That's the first step in being filled with the Spirit. If you don't know Christ, you can't be filled with the Spirit. Once you know Christ, there is the opportunity to be filled with the Spirit. How else do you do it? The second step is you need to ask for the filling of the Spirit. In the book of Luke, God says, How much more will God give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? Now, if you're a child of God, you have the Holy Spirit, but does He have you? That's what the filling is about. Does he have control of your life? Are you giving him the driver's seat in your life? Uh, you've seen that sticker, God is my co-pilot? God doesn't need to be the co-pilot of anybody's life. He needs to be the pilot. Okay? He needs to have the driver's seat. Now, uh, you ask for the filling of the Spirit. Now, then you surrender to him. Surrender. Okay? You cannot remain filled with the Spirit of God as a Christian if you're living in rebellion. Sometimes you may have to even say, Lord, my heart is not surrendered. I confess that to you. Uh, Holy Spirit, will you surrender through me? Uh, but, but that step of surrender is important. Uh, and then trust Him. Trust Him. As you walk in faith, how do you trust Him? Well, one way is to follow the teachings of the Scriptures. Uh, another way is to follow the promptings of the Spirit as He prompts you in your life. But you live in trust in the Holy Spirit. As you do, uh, the Holy Spirit is free to work. Now, here's something you need to understand. The Holy Spirit can be quenched. Scripture says, quench not the Holy Spirit. What's he talking about? Well, you put water on a, on a campfire before? When you sin, you basically put water on the Holy Spirit in your life. You, you quench Him. Uh, he's no longer in control in your life. He's there. He's present if you're a child of God, but he's not in control. Uh, so that's why uh, asking for the filling, surrendering your will to him, and walking in trust are important so that you can be filled with the Spirit. Also, I, th I think I neglected to mention, if you're a Christian, uh, you need to keep your sin confessed. That's where I would start. Confess your sin, ask for the filling, surrender, trust. Do you need to make that decision today, uh, Christian? 
to be filled regularly with the Spirit of God. Maybe you've gotten away from Him. Maybe you've been in sin. Maybe you need to come to this altar and say, Lord, forgive me. I've been away from you. I've not been trusting you. I've not been surrendered to you. I want to walk in the fullness of your Holy Spirit. Will you please live through me? Maybe you just need to come and uh, uh, tell the Lord that. If God's touching your heart, I'm going to ask you to do that here in a moment. Uh, maybe you're here today and you say, I don't know Jesus Christ. There's never been a time in my life where I have made a decision to turn from my sin in my own way and to put my trust in Jesus Christ. And I need to make that decision today. I'm going to ask you to come. And I'll be standing here at the front. You, you come. And I'll pray with you. You can repeat after me uh, a prayer from your heart uh, to Christ. Uh, and he will save your soul as you put your trust in him. Uh, maybe there's somebody here that needs to follow with a step of obedience. Uh, following believers' baptism. Maybe God has led you to our church. You sense that God's led you here. And you need to make that decision and, and make that official. Uh, whatever God would lead you to do. Maybe there's something God has put his finger on in your heart as I've spoken. And maybe I didn't mention it specifically, but the Holy Spirit has just put his finger upon it in your heart. And you need to confess that, repent of that. The altar's open. You come. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Uh, for the work of your Son on Calvary's cross. Thank you for the incredible gift of your Holy Spirit and the blessings that he brings. Help us live and walk in the fullness.